treated me like I was his own son, and I've treated him like he was my own dad. He's just so, so dear to me, and, and I just pray that for his entire family, the, the entire Shyrock and the, the Browns, uh, the Lunsfords, all, all of them, uh, they need our love, and we pray for God to give them comfort and, and peace in this time. And uh, also I want to make a mention, my son called me before I got on here, and uh, a very good friend of his, Jeremy Hignite, that worked at David's Meat Market in Paris, uh, passed away in a motorcycle accident last night. And I'm told he has three children, one of them being a little four-year-old girl, and uh, she's without her daddy today. And y'all please lift that family up in prayer. What a tragedy. Uh, good guy. I really enjoyed my time knowing uh, Jeremy, and you pray for that family, please. Uh, but anyway, let's go to the Lord, and, and we're going to lift up all those who are dealing with COVID, all those who are suffering. Uh, we've got a number of them. We've got, we've got lots of people in our church that really, really need uh, the, the touch of God, and not just in our church, folks. There are folks all out through our community. There are folks who, who've recently lost loved ones to, to uh, different things, COVID being one of them. And, and we, we need to pray for them. We need to pray for comfort for those families hurting hearts out there this morning. And, you know, we serve a God of comfort, and he's able to do all things. So we want to lift him up in prayer right now. And I see Alex on here. Alex, good to see you this morning, sister. And let's go to the Lord in prayer right now. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before your throne this morning. We need you. Oh, Lord, how we need you. Our soul cries out to you, Lord. Our hearts are heavy for, for folks that we know who are suffering and we're battling with disease and things. And, Lord God, we just we love you so much. We know you're God, the, the God of mercy. Lord, you are the author of mercy. And, Lord, we're told in the word to come boldly under the throne of grace, to, to receive grace and mercy to help in time of need. And Lord, we do come now and we boldly ask you in the name of Jesus, according to his shed blood that was shed for our sins and made us a child of the Most High God, we claim the promises that you've given. If we ask anything in your name, you'll do it. We pray for healing, Lord. We pray for deliverance. We pray for comfort. We pray, Lord, for, for grace, for every need, Lord. We pray that you do it, not because we ask, but because of Jesus and what he's done for us. But, Lord, we ask in faith, believing. Lord, that you will do these things according to your will. And, Father, we thank you now. We ask you, Lord, as we come into this morning service, we ask for your power. Lord, I ask that you touch me and use me. Father, I know that I'm nothing but flesh and bones. Lord, I'm nothing that's, that's worthy of anything. But, Lord, you put your spirit inside of me. Lord, you saved me by your, your grace and you washed my sins away. And you filled me with the spirit of God. And, Lord, I pray today that Holy Ghost of God will take hold of every fiber of my being and control me and sing through me and preach through me and use me to minister to those, Lord, that need you this morning. Father, I'm thankful for those who are listening, and, Lord, I'm thankful for those who will listen. And Lord, we just want to minister and help and be a blessing. Father, thank you so much for touching my life. Thank you for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for cleaning me up and using me for your honor and glory. Thank you so much that you've given me this precious, precious uh, Lord, precious work to do in preaching the gospel. And I just praise you and give you glory. Thank you. Now meet with us. Touch each life. Touch the hearer, Father. Open their ears. Give them understanding. Holy Ghost of God, work in the hearts of sinners. Draw them to repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, use me this morning to honor and glorify my Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Praise God. We're going to sing another one. I I'm not going to sing a lot this morning because I got I got a, a 
decent sermon I want to preach. Got a little link to it, so I'm going to sing one more song this morning. But uh, praise God, this one is such a blessing. You know, I look at this old world that we're in, and it's just winding down. It really is. It's winding down. We're headed. We're headed toward the the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're headed toward the calling out of the church, the rapture of the church. And I believe it will be very soon. I believe that it's very, very soon. Uh, We're seeing things begin to take place in our world that are leading us up into the rapture of the Lord Jesus Christ when he takes the the rapture of the church by the Lord Jesus Christ and and then the the following tribulation period. And we're just, we're getting close. And so it's a song. It's what it's about. It's called The Lifeboat. Faith I see. 
and works just like he did through us. So Jesus continues his ministry through his people in the power of his spirit. So that's what we're doing. That's what we're talking about. And hallelujah for Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. So let's, let's turn in our Bible this morning into the book of Acts. And i got to find it in mine too, so I'll give you just a minute to find it in yours. We're going to be looking there in Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. And uh, you pray for us as well. Uh, we've been around a lot of people that have had COVID. And so far, I've tested negative. My wife's tested negative. My children have tested negative. But, uh, you know, one day to the next, you never know what's liable to happen. Uh, I'm really thankful my mother's improving like she has been. She's on here watching. And I and, uh, love you, Mama. And uh, pray for her. Her oxygen level's coming up and everything. So, again, a lot of people watching are sick. And you be praying for them. We need your prayers. Pound on heaven's door for them and for their to get well because they want to serve God and they need their help to do so. So pray for them as they go through this. Acts chapter 5, verses 12 through 28. I don't, I've, been, I've been debating on having a title for this message, but I, I think I'll come down to uh, we're going to talk about the words of this life. But we're going to read verses 12 through 28 this morning, and uh, and then we'll... We'll, we'll pray again and we'll preach. So let's read, beginning in verse 12. The Bible said, And by the hand of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And of the rest durst no man join himself to them, but the people magnified them. And believers were the more added to the Lord. Belie- I'm sorry, multitudes both of men and women, insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. There came also a multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem, bringing sick folks and, and them which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they healed every one. Then the high priest rose up, and all they that were with him, which is the sect of the, of the Sadducees, and were filled with indignation, and laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, Go, stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard that, they entered into the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest came, and they that were with him and called the council together, and all the senate of the children of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came and found them not in the prison, they returned and told, saying, The prison truly we found shut with all safety, and the keepers standing without before the doors. But when we had opened, we found no man within. Now when the high priest and the captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these things, they doubted of them whereunto this would grow. But then came one and told them, saying, Behold, the men whom ye put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then went the captain with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people, lest they should have been stoned. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did we not straightly command you that ye should not teach in this name? And behold, ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, 
Again, we come to you, Lord, as we come to your word, and we pray that you open understandings. Lord, you open hearts. You make us spirit-filled listeners. Father, touch me. Holy Ghost, put your power on me, in me, through me. Use me this morning for Christ's honor and glory. I just want to be a blessing and a help. Help me to be an encouragement to those who are listening in. And, Father, again, we ask for healing. We ask for deliverance, Lord, and we thank you and we'll give you all the praise and the glory. We pray for a salvation of a soul this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, praise God. So let's look at what happened here. We read it, but let's kind of look at it just for a minute, and then we'll get into the message, and then we'll be done. But the Bible, first thing I notice here in verse 12, said, by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. So, and then again, it says that, uh, that they brought sick folks out. They brought people on couches and bed. And it said that, you know, that, that Peter, they wanted to get them close enough so that when Peter walked by, his shadow passed over them. They had faith. Listen, they had faith that this Peter had been with Jesus. They had seen him reach down and grab a, a man who'd been lame since his birth. And they seen him lift him up and his feet and his legs uh, regained strength and he was healed and jumping and praising God. And so people just went and got their, they went and got their loved ones that were sick. They went and got all the invalids, all the cripples, all everybody they could find. And they brought them there hoping that Peter would pass by and just a shadow would pass over. And that's, and you say, God, well, the Bible tells us that the Jews require a sign, but the, but the Greeks seek after wisdom. So, we, we're not, I, I'm not a Jew. You may be listening to me. You may be have some Jewish blood. I don't know. But I'm just telling you, the Bible talks about the Jews relating to signs and wonders. And so these things, the Holy Ghost of God was supplying them with power through the apostles and showing signs and wonders to enforce to these, these Jewish people that, that God was working here. And there was no mistaking this was God at work. So it, it's not... It, it was not just to uh, impress them. It was to get their attention and show them that God was truly at work through these apostles. So, but then what we find here is this: the Bible says, then the high priest, verse 17, the high priest rose up. That means he had enough. He had enough of all this good preaching going on outside. He had enough of all these people getting saved. He had enough of all these people turning to Jesus and getting healed. He'd had enough of all this. He wanted to go back to his dead bride dry as last year's firewood, dead as four o'clock in the morning religion that was all about works and making them rich. It wasn't about God anymore. It was a pseudo-religion at this point. Uh, it was nothing like it had been set up to be, which was to point people to salvation by showing them that they could not reach God's standard of perfection and that they needed a Messiah. They needed the Savior. So he rose up, verse 17 says, and all that were with him, they all got said, we're going to fix this now. The Bible says, and in parentheses there it says, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and were filled with indignation. Now, and they laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. They arrested them. They threw them in jail. But now we're going to come to our text, verses 19 and 20. The Bible says, but the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, here's what the angel of the Lord said to them, go, stand and speak in the temple to the people all <coughs> the words of this life. And that's what we're going to focus on this morning, but we're going to finish out this passage. And when they heard that, the Sadducees, when they heard that, they entered into the temple early in the morning. Oh, I'm sorry. 
I messed up. I, I've got tangled up. When they heard that, being the apostles, when they heard that from the angel of the Lord to go and stand and speak in the temple to the people, all the words of this life, they they entered into the temple early in the morning and taught. The high priest came, and they that were with him, and called the council together, and all the senate of the children of Israel, and sent into the prison to have them brought. And when the officer, they couldn't find them in the prison. They looked in there, couldn't find them. And they said, well... Maybe maybe they ran away. I think that's what they thought. Maybe they escaped and they ran away because they said, you know, well, let me see what they said. They doubted of them whereunto this would grow. They said they, they surely, they, 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 they got enough of us locking them up and they ran away somehow or another. But then somebody came and told them, said, hey, listen, those men you, you, you put in prison, they're in the temple preaching. They didn't. They weren't scared of you. They didn't run from you. Matter of fact, they're so bold. They've been in there preaching all morning. And then, so the, the Bible says, when the captain of the officers had brought them, they brought them without violence. So you know, it's kind of funny. They 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 were let out of jail by the angel of the Lord. They went and they preached. But when when the Sadducees, the high priest, and all the guards and everything came to them, they didn't resist. They did not resist. The Bible says they brought them without violence, for they feared the people lest they should have been stoned. See, they had over 20,000 people that had gotten saved since since the, the day of Pentecost, somewhere around 20,000 people or more. People were getting saved every day. So you have this massive crowd of Christians, some 20,000 people. There's not a little small crowd of Sadducees and, and, and chief priests and, and captains of the guards and all that going to come in there and try to try to be violent with these apostles. Why? But again, they feared the people. That's so. That, listen, that's going to lead us into our message this morning. If you want to combat what's going on in this world around you, hear me loud and clear. You say, what can I do? I keep wringing my hands. I'm watching the TV. I'm listening to the radio. I'm watching this stuff happen on the reading about it on the Internet. Our world is coming unwound. Our world is coming undone. What can I do? I bet you some of you have thought that. And you probably answered back, there's nothing I can do. But watch. Well, I'm going to tell you something. There's something you can do. You can begin to witness and share your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ at a at an urgent and a rapid pace. And if you do that and you share the gospel and enough people begin to get saved, you're going to change the culture around you. And if enough people begin to do that, we'll, we'll affect the culture of America. But the fact of it is nobody really cares anymore, it seems, and that's a shame because God hasn't changed. His word hasn't changed. You say, well, the times have gotten so bad, but God hasn't, and, and salvation hasn't. The truth hasn't. Yes, evil abounds everywhere we turn, but God is still the same. So let's, keep, let's, let's look this morning, and, and I, I want to read you something. I ran across, across a quote yesterday by Charles Haddon Spurgeon, a uh, great preacher. He preached in England during the Civil War. He's called the Prince of Preachers. He was a fantastic uh, preacher in the pulpit. But here's what he had to say about, about these Sadducees. I want you to listen so you kind of get the idea of the parallel that I see between those people then and the people we deal with in our government and who are running this country into the ground. I want you to listen to what, what's said here. Here's what Spurgeon said. He said, The second persecution of the church, in which all the apostles were put into the common prison, was mainly brought about by the sect of the Sadducees. These, as you know, were the broad school, the liberals, the advanced thinkers, the modern thought people of the day. 
If you want a bitter sneer, a biting sarcasm, or a cruel action, I commend you to these large-minded gentlemen. They are liberal to everybody except to those who hold the truth. And for those, they have a reserve of concentrated bitterness, which far excels wormwood and gall. They are so liberal to their brother errorists, those are in error, that they have no tolerance to spare for evangelicals. We are expressly told the high priest and all they that were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, were filled with indignation. That which had been done deserved their admiration. Again, all the people being saved, all the people being healed, all the miracles that were performed, again, they should have admired them. He said, but they received their indignation. They hated it. They were angry. Such gentlemen as these can be warm or hot-tempered at a very short notice when the doctrine of the cross is spreading. And God the Holy Spirit is bearing witness with signs following. Let them display their indignation. It is according to their nature. Again, it's no wonder, it's no wonder that Christians are marginalized today. They hate the truth. They, they very much hate the truth. Uh, They hate me. They hate this. They hate you. They hate the word of God. They hate salvation. They hate truth. Everything right now is upside down. Wrong is right. Uh, Truth is error. Uh, Up is down. Backwards is forwards. And that is because Satan is is the god of this age, the Bible tells us. He's the god of this world, the little g-god of this world. And he is gearing up for his seven-year assault on the people of this world, especially the Jews. So, we're going to look at this this morning, and we're going to we're going to we're going to learn from this. But I want to look, I want to take our attention. I want to focus it back on verses nineteen and twenty. I got two points, Robert. I got a whole bunch of sub points. I know Robert always gets a kick out of that when I tell him I ain't got much, but I got two points. But anyway, uh, praise God. The Bible, verse nineteen and twenty. But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, "Go, stand." And speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about the words of this life. When we talk about, when we look at these two verses, here's what I want us to, to see first of, all, first of all. Number one, I see here that they were commanded. When he said, go, stand, speak, teach, he's commanding them. They're commanded to teach the people to speak all the words of this life. Now, let me hurry up and get into this because i got a lot of ground to cover. Number one on this, I want to show you their teaching. They were told to do it promptly. Uh, they were do it, to do it immediately. The angel said, go, not linger here. I mean, they were in prison. They were locked up in prison. The angel came and set them free. I don't know how it happened. The Bible doesn't elaborate. There were keepers at the door. I don't know whether they were... Uh, fell into a sleep or whether God just uh, blanked their memories or whether they were frozen and couldn't move. I don't know what happened, but I can tell you this. God worked a miracle, and God freed them from that prison. And when they were freed, the angel said, listen, don't go home. Don't go, don't go uh, get you something to eat. Uh, don't worry about changing your clothes. Go straight to the, and preach. Go straight and speak the words of this life. And, you know, we're, we're told the same thing. Too many people, listen, there's too many Christians who say, well, you know, we do a lot for the Lord. We give and we, we pray and we sing and 
we, we, you know, we, we teach Sunday school. We do a little bit of this, that, and other. Listen, those things are great. But you don't spell gold, G-I-V-E. You don't spell gold, P-R-A-Y. You don't spell gold, C-O-M-E. You pray and you give and you come to church, but you go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's what the Bible says in Mark sixteen fifteen, And that's what the angel was commanding them. Go, 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 go. God will be with you, but go. There's an urgency. And, folks, we're coming down to the end of time. We're coming down to the end of this world. We're coming down. Some of us are coming to the end of our time as we're getting older. We've got to make it now. We can't wait. We can't put it off. Too many people are chasing after some dream that's already pretty much ended in America. There ain't no American dream. Listen, we're just trying to survive at this point, trying to make it through as our country is broken down and dismantled and, and done away with. We've got to stand firm for God and go now. Strike while the iron is hot. Number two on this. They were to make it their main business. Angel said, go. Again, like I said, this is before anything else. This is your primary job. This is what you're called to do. I know we have many other things to do in life. I, I, I do. I have many things to do. I, I, I mean, I, I'm a husband. I'm a father. I, 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 I take care of my family. I do lots of things around here for a lot of people. But my main job is to preach the gospel. My main job is to preach the gospel. <laughs> so they were to go. Jesus, uh, Jesus said in Matthew 6.33, he said, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So God wants us to put him first. His business is number one. God doesn't, God doesn't want to play second fiddle to anybody, nor should he. God is first. Thou shalt have no other gods before me, and anything we put before God becomes an idol unto us and should be repented of, and God put right back in his rightful place. So they were to make it their main business. The third thing I see about this, that it's clear from the text that they were to go to a busy place and speak boldly. The angel said, go, stand in the temple. Now, you understand the temple, the temple was the marketplace. The temple was the place that business was done. So there were massive crowds in the temple. And from my understanding, they were let go early, early, early uh, in the morning or at night. So they went probably about daylight and began to preach in the temple as people were arriving. So there were people hearing them, uh, all morning. So they, they, they went to where they were supposed to go. They, they, they went there, and, you know, there's a time to be subtle. I understand there are times when you can't be loud and, 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 and uh, you know, and raising your voice up above everything else. There are times to be subtle. There are times to hand somebody a gospel track. There's times to leave a gospel track. But there's also a time to go and to call sinners to repentance. There's a time when we're to lift up our voice. There's a time when we're not to be ashamed, and we're, not, we're never to be ashamed. But there comes a time when we're to be bold and to speak the truth uh, and to not sit back and listen to lies and not stand up for the truth. We are to go and stand where the people are. We're to go. If you're going to fish, I've, I've told my congregation this before, but, uh, and, and I don't fish much. I'm, I'm, too, I'm too nervous. I ain't enough patience to fish, I guess. But, uh, <clears throat> but if you're going to go where, to fish and you want to catch fish, guess what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to go where the fish are. If you go out here to somebody just dug a pond last week, you're not gonna catch a thing. There's no fish in it. You got to go somewhere where it's been it's been undisturbed for a while, and there are fish in that pond. And if you want to go win souls to Christ, you need to go where there are people. You've got to reach the people. So that's another thing that we're told. The fourth thing that we're told 
it, we, we brought up the people. They were supposed to speak to the people, speak to the people the words of this life. So the people, it, it doesn't mean that they were just to go to the, to the people who could influence them or they could influence, uh, who could help them out. They were not to go to people that would do them favors. They were not to go just simply to the rich folks or the educated. They, were go to, they weren't just to go to the poor. They weren't just to go to the hurting. They were to go to everybody. Listen, everybody deserves to hear the gospel. People that don't look like you deserve to hear the gospel. People that have a skin that's a different color than yours, uh, they deserve to hear the gospel. People from the other side of the world who you may not like because they come from a terrorist country, they come to America seeking a better place, a better life, you say, well, they brought their religion with them. They still deserve to hear the gospel. Everybody deserves to hear the gospel once. Nobody deserves to hear it twice, but everybody's heard it once. So they were to go and preach the gospel. They were to reach everybody, regardless of their situation, regardless of their status. In Luke 14, 21 through 23, Jesus said, So that servant came. This is the story of the Great Supper. Jesus sent him out to, into the highways and the hedges and said, he, 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 The servant came. He showed his Lord uh, where people began to make excuses as to why they couldn't come. And that pictures the house of Israel that rejected the, the religious leaders, those who, who could have turned to the Messiah and lifted up the Messiah and showed the people the Messiah. No, they turned away from it, and they made excuses. So he said, go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it's done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, go out into the highways and hedges, and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He wants people to be saved. He wants his heaven full. He wants hell to be empty. God doesn't want anybody in hell, but the simple reality is people just want to do what they want to do. They want to try their best to work their way to heaven, and they're going to split hell wide open, and they're going to burn forevermore in torment and agony because they rejected God's gift of salvation, plain and simple. So, the fifth thing I see about it, about, about this command they're given to teach the people. The angel even mentioned the place they were to go. He said, go stand in the temple. The reason, again, the reason they went to the temple, it was the most public place in all of Jerusalem. So, they didn't say go from house to house here. They said, hey, go where the people are. Again, like I said, if you want to catch fish, you go where the fish are. You want to catch souls, you want to catch men, you go where the people are. And that's what they did. They weren't shy about it. And so we come to our second point. Again, let me read to you verse 19 and 20. But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, Go, stand, and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. So number two. What we have here, the message is described. The message is described. The message was this. Speak to the people all the words of this life. So what does that entail? What does that entail? I've got a number of them, and we're going to look at them this morning. When we talk about what are we to tell people, what are we to tell them about? Well, here we go. Our teaching. Okay, if we're true, if we are true to the Lord Jesus Christ, It won't just be a doctrine, it'll be a life. We won't just be telling them some teachings, some rules, some, some regulations. 
you know, the high priest, the high priest understood they were preaching doctrine. He said, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. You have, he, he was saying you've ruined everybody. But the truth of it is they were preaching a message that could save anybody. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I love this verse, such a powerful verse. I wrote a song about it. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. By the way, I've got allergies. Pray for me. I want to get over them. We're to preach this life. It's not just getting saved. I want you to understand, getting saved is incredibly important because without being born again, without having our sins forgiven, we can't go to heaven. That's absolutely the most important thing. But beyond that, there is the Christian life. Jesus doesn't just set us free from something. He sets us free unto something. He gives us so much more. There's so much to being a Christian than so many people ever ever understand. And they miss out on a, a blessed life. They miss out on a rewarding life. They miss out on blessings and rewards to meet them when they get to heaven. Uh, so what are the words of this life? What are they? Well, I'm going to give you a short list of them this morning. But the first word, the very first word of this life is Jesus Christ. Amen? Without him, there is no life. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, the Bible says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Verse 4 says, In him was life, and that life was the light of men. People that don't have Jesus are living in darkness. They may think they know things. They may think they have knowledge. They may think they're wise. But the truth of it is, they're living in darkness. They cannot see past their reasoning and their flesh. They cannot understand things of the Spirit. The Bible tells us that the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit. Neither can he know them, for they're spiritually discerned. He can't know the things of God. He can't understand the things of God. Um, so that life is in Jesus. The next word I want to talk about is atonement. That's a word of life that we're to be speaking. See, uh, there's no preaching the words of this life except we preach the sacrificial death of the Son of God. We, we just finished covering that in our preaching. But Jesus Christ, he, he didn't go to the cross because he was a criminal. He didn't go to the cross because he was guilty of some crime. He didn't go to the cross because... He was a bad person and that he had sinned against somebody. Jesus Christ was perfect in every single way. Jesus Christ fulfilled every prophecy that the Bible, the Old Testament, ever gave about him. Every single word, every jot and every tittle was been fulfilled. Jesus Christ went to the cross for one reason and one reason only. That was to carry the sins of the whole world and bear the punishment and the wrath of God for the sins of the entire world. And Jesus Christ did that, and when he cried out on the cross, the word tetelestai, which means it is finished or paid in full, he, he was saying it, all the sins of the whole wide world have been atoned for, atoned for. In other words, the satis- he satisfied the wrath of Almighty God. Hebrews 9.22, the Bible says, um, 
and almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. The sins of the world could not have been paid for without the shedding of Jesus' blood, and he paid for that. And when that blood was applied to our sins, he atoned for our sins. He made it so that before God Almighty, you and I, if we believe on him and his shed blood, if we're trusting and dependent on Jesus, when God the Father looks at our record, our sins are gone. He has made atonement for our sins, and that needs to be told to lost people that Jesus, that's what he does. He makes the payment for them, and it's paid for. The next thing I want to uh, deal with is the word resurrection. Those are words of this life, and we need to speak these words. This should be preached fully and letting people know that God has raised him from the dead. Oh, he, there's been plenty of people who've made lots of claims, who claim to be saviors and messiahs, but there's only one de- uh, degree of difficulty with this that none of them could ever attain, and that's when you go by each one of them's grave. When you, you can find uh, Muhammad's grave. You can find uh, Buddha's grave. You can find Confucius's grave. You can find Joseph Smith's grave. You can find Charles Taze Russell's grave. You can find Mary Baker Eddy's grave. You can find all these people's grave. David Caress, well, he burned up, but you can still find a marker. There's something somewhere saying this person died, and here they lay. But you can't find that with Jesus because he was raised from the dead. Hallelujah. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He didn't do it some other way. It was letter by letter, according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Hallelujah. He did it exactly as was promised, proving that he was the true Messiah and the only Son of the living God. The next, the next word pertaining to this life that they were to preach is regeneration. Regeneration. You know what that means? That means something that was old, it was this way, but now it's been made new before. It's been regenerated. It's been made into something so much better. Let's look at it. What are they doing when they preach regeneration? Well, they're just echoing the Lord's words because the Lord preached regeneration. What did he say to Nicodemus? He said to Nicodemus, ye must be born again. And Nicodemus scratched his head and he said, well, I'm a grown man. My mama's kind of little. How am I going to get back in her womb and come out again? I can't do that. And Jesus told him, except you be born of water and of the Spirit. And when he talks about water and of the Spirit, it means that first birth, you know, the woman's water breaks, and that's a water birth. We're born of the water the first time, but this, it's not talking about water baptism. It's talking about water birth. But the second time, you're born by the Spirit of God. So he's saying that you must be born again. You must be regenerated. And, and praise God for that. Second Corinthians 5, 17, I love this verse. It says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, in other words, if he's saved, if he's born again, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. He is not the same as he was. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. When I was a young man, I was living a, a wicked life. I was, I was chasing after my will, my wishes, the things that I wanted to do, and I was living in sin. And God had mercy on me. God had mercy on me. Listen, I'm going to tell you something, folks. When God 
is truly working in you, you are not the same person as you were before. He makes you new. He changes you. You don't want to be the way you were before. You go to him and you say, Lord, make me new again. Make me, change me. Little by little, grow me. Make me, Lord. But let me tell you, when he comes in, when he, when he saves a soul, when a soul gets saved, in that moment there's a difference. In that moment the Spirit of God comes in to live, and he brings to life the spirit of that individual. And he lives, he literally lives inside a saved person. The Spirit of God dwells there. He is in you if you're, if you're a child of God. God is inside. Amen. He's there to guide you and teach you and lead you and give you power and give you victory. <clears throat> Hallelujah. He's regenerates you. I like what my friend, Brother Mark Wheeler, said. I say this all the time, but it's one of my favorite sayings in the world. He says, something as big as God move into your life, he's going to stick out somewhere. Amen? Listen, you wonder, am I saved? Well, does God stick out somewhere in your life? Amen? Are you, are you, are you burdened about your, the way you're living for him or not? Listen, lost people don't worry about that. Lost people don't have a... No, their conscience doesn't bother them as to whether or not they're pleasing God. Amen? If you believed on Christ, you're saved. It's as simple as that. It's not about how good you are. It's about what he's done and how good he is. Amen? Have you been regenerated? Then the next next word, faith. Faith. And what a word this is. Amen? Faith. Faith is something this world, faith in God is something this world doesn't understand. The Bible tells us without faith, it's impossible to please him. We've got to have faith. Listen, you know, faith, faith, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's not something we can go up and put our hand on. It's not something we can hold in our hand. Faith is something that we know because God's word says it. It is, it is, it is affirmation because of God's word, faith. I, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's what the Bible tells us. So the Bible tells us, by grace are you saved through faith. It's because I know that he died for me. I wasn't at the cross. I didn't see it. I didn't see him come literally out of the grave. But by the word of God, by the spirit of God, I know for sure that it's true. And I believed on it, and I have faith. And when we have faith, we have everything. Amen? Well, you take a little bitty bit of faith and get a gigantic Savior. Amen? What a wonderful transaction it is. The, 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 the seventh thing I want to point out on this seventh word is indwelling, indwelling, indwelling. The Holy Spirit of God, as I said, he comes to indwell. He comes to live. And you know the blessed thing about it? He never leaves. So we're going to talk about that one next. But, but he comes into our, into our life. He lives in our spirit. He remains there. He doesn't go anywhere. And what does he do while he's there? He does the work of sanctification. And that's a big word, but here's what it means. Sanctification is making something holy. Uh, I, I've used this illustration in church. I, I talk about the offering plates set up on the Lord's Supper table. And if you've been in church, you know what I'm talking about. Most everybody in the world knows what an offering plate is. Those offering plates, uh, you know, if somebody in the church gets ready to have a garage sale, they're not going to go by and grab the offering plates and set them on the table and put their money in. Uh, they're not going to take the offering plates down to the Lions Club and have their membership dues put in them. The, those plates are, are set aside specifically for one purpose, and that is for the taking up of the tithes and offerings in church. And because of that, they are set apart to God. 
That is sanctification. And the Holy Spirit of God, the moment a person gets saved, the Holy Spirit of God begins generating sanctification, work, doing the work of sanctification. And how does that happen? It happens through God showing you things that are wrong in your life. And a lot of times people, when they're young in the, uh, young in the Lord, sometimes especially, I find amongst this younger generation, they get offended when you point out things that are wrong in their life. But the Bible says, great peace have they that, that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Uh, listen, we got to watch being offended by what God says. God's words cut sometimes, but it's always for our good. God does surgery in our life. The Bible talks about us being the vine and uh, uh, him being the vine, we being the branches, and he prunes those those branches. How does he do that? By showing us things that don't belong in our life. And he's trimming those things off that would hurt us so that we can have better growth. Uh, you know, we live here in Paris. We've got a lot of crepe myrtle trees. And uh, if you let those things go, and I've got a couple on my place that have been let go, in mercy's sake, they become a wild mess. But if you keep them trimmed and you, you cut them back, they produce beautiful blooms, and they're neat, and, they, and they, they're attractive, and they smell nice, and it's just a, it's a blessing to all those who are around them. And that's the same way it is being a Christian, kind of like those crepe myrtle trees. If we just allow it to grow wild, we'll become a, a wild, uh, cluttered mess. But if God is – if we're letting – the Holy Spirit of God, we're not resisting him, and he's doing the work of sanctification. He'll remove things from our life that don't belong there. And, and, and so that Christian growth, growth in Christ can begin, and, and, and we can bloom for Jesus and, and be a blessing to all those who are around us. And so we need to understand that that's what he's doing there. That's, what, that's one of the things he's doing there. He's there to guide us into all truth. He's there to, to uh, reprove and rebuke and exhort. He's there to do all those things in our life. So Next comes the doctrine of eternal life. And I'm trying to hurry. I'm trying to get us done here on time. But uh, the doctrine of eternal life, the life that's given by a person who believes on Christ, the life that's given that the Holy Spirit of God brings to life in the believer, it will never, ever die. Now, I don't tell you that because I'm a Baptist. I tell you that because I believe the Word of God. And the Word of God makes it plain. Now listen to the Bible. Listen to what Jesus said. John four fourteen. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. You know, that's a great thing about that word everlasting. It lasts forever. Amen. That's why God called it everlasting. Amen. Not only that. Jesus, one of my favorite passages, John ten twenty eight. Jesus said, I, well, first John 27, I'll read 27, I'll quote it to you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life. Neither shall, and, oh, and he said, and they shall never perish. And by the way, that word never, that word never, it comes from four different Greek words. And when the definitions are all read together, here's what this verse sounds like. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall not at all by any means at any time or any place, whether they be male or female, eternally or perpetually ever perish. Boy, that covers it, doesn't it? That covers the entire spectrum. They shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Now, I know there's some people say, you know what? 
I mean his hand, but I could jump out any time I want to. So if we're just standing there on the edge looking over, and we'll just pew, jump off and do what we want to. Let me tell you something. God is not God is not careless. God is very, very meticulous. And I want you to understand what he said there in verse 28. I give unto them eternal life. They shall never perish. That means go to hell. If you save, you'll never go to hell. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Now, most people in this area understand that chickens get plucked. And as most of us have seen a chicken's feather plucked, uh, plucked out. Uh, some of us have even been a part of that and plucked chicken feathers. But you know if you've been around it that you don't just grab a feather and it just slides out like a hot knife out of butter. You have to pluck. You have to pull it loose. And so I don't believe for one second that Jesus made a mistake when he spoke the word pluck. He wants to, us to understand just as this pen. Let's imagine it's you or I, and we are in his hand, okay? And he said no man is able to pluck. Oh, I pulled the end of the pen off. But you can't pluck the pen out because i got a grip on it. Pluck them out of my hand. Now, I didn't mean to go into all this, but I think I will just because I don't know who's watching for sure. He said, no man is able to pluck them out of my hand. Now, so I asked the question, if you're saved, is anybody in this world stronger than Jesus Christ? And if you're honest, you'll have to say, no, nobody's able to pluck you. No man is strong enough to pluck you out of Jesus' hand. And you might, and I ask the question, is the devil stronger? Because some people say, well, the devil is, the devil. The devil is not stronger than the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus whooped the devil with the cross of Calvary. He is a defeated foe. I know he's still got to play out his, his, his role, but he's a defeated foe. And the devil, no matter what he tries, is not stronger than God and cannot pluck you out of his hand. That leaves one person, my friend. That leaves you. Are you? Have you been, are you now, or will you ever be stronger than the Lord Jesus Christ? And I know your answer has to be no. So based on that, can you pluck yourself out of his hand? You say, well, I can jump out. Now, wait a minute. Pluck. He's got a grip. He's not letting you just hang on, roll around, flop in his hand. He's got you. See, to be saved means, let me, let me explain it this way. When we're saved, let's imagine this is you falling toward hell. And if you don't get saved, you're going to fall right into hell and bust it wide open. And you cry out, Jesus, save me. And he reaches and he catches you. He's got you. He's not going to let you fall into hell. He has saved you from hell. Now, let's imagine you're out in the lake and you're swimming and and you have a cramp and you start drowning. Or let's say you fall out of the boat, can't get back in. And you're drowning. You can't swim. And you cry out, help me, save me. Somebody save me. And I'm on the bank fishing. I thought I didn't fish, but let's just say I'm on the bank fishing. I hear you screaming, and I jump in. I can swim pretty good. I swim out to you, and I get you, and I start swimming back with you, and I get you about 30, 40 feet from the bank. I say, well, that should be good enough. You're okay. You say, I'm fine. You jump loose. Did I save you? You can't swim. 30, 40 feet out, you can't touch bottom. Did I save you? No. You're not saved. you got to get all the way out of the water. The danger has to be gone. 
And if Jesus saved you, my friend, he saved you forever. You're not, it's not a temporary thing. He didn't make the down payment and tell you to keep up the rest of the payments. He saved you forever. That's the message we're to preach. We're to preach eternal life. That's the words of this life. It's not a, uh, you, you, you got it until you mess up or you got it until you, you, you forget to ask forgiveness and then die. Listen, you can get told all kinds of crazy garbage. But the truth of it is the Word of God says we have eternal life. It doesn't. It, God doesn't put a question mark there. God put a period there, and and God helped those preachers who put question marks where God puts periods. He's going to straighten them out one of these days, and I believe He will. But then, let's hurry. Let's get down to the end of this thing. I got four more thoughts, and we're going to call it a day. I've given you the words to this life, but I want to give you. I want to give you a conclusion on this. I want to share with you number one the beginning of this life. We have the beginning of this life. What is the beginning of this life? This life that they were told to go and preach. Well, that that word is repentance. Repentance. What is repentance? You know, so many people get confused on that word repentance. Let me make it plain to you. Let me explain it to you. Repentance is a sense of your sin. You realize, I'm a sinner. I've sinned against God. And and then it's, it's it's a desire to turn from it. I don't want to be I don't want to be the enemy of God anymore. I don't want I don't want God angry with me anymore. I want I want God to be pleased with me. I want to be right with God and I'm turning to him. That's repentance. It's it's abhorring your sin. It's hating your sin. It's detesting your sin and saying, Oh God, save me from it. That's repentance. Have you experienced that? If you've not, guess what? You're probably not saved. Because if you're not saved from sin, you're not saved. You say, well, I got saved from hell. Well, why were you going to hell? It's your sin. Are you trusting God to save you from your sin? Believe on him to save you from sin. So there's the forgiveness of sin. The person who lives in Christ is set free. He's set free from sin. There's There's hallelujah. I mean, listen, Jesus said in Luke 5, 32, I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. He wants to set you free. He wants to let you free from that. You have forgiveness of your sin. Romans 8, 2, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. God wants to set you free just like the angels set those men free from that jail cell. God will set you free. Oh, the devil may want, he may have his keepers all around you and say, you can't get out, but God can set you free. And when you're free, preach salvation. Preach salvation in Jesus Christ. If you have been set free and you're keeping it all to yourself, you're being selfish with God's word. We're to share it if it's worth having. If it's worth using, it's worth sharing with somebody. So we have the beginning, repentance. We, and then secondly, we have the privilege of this life. We have the forgiveness of sins. We've been set free again. Set free from the guilt of sin. Set free, amen, by the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Romans 6.22, But now, being made free from sin, and become servants to God, ye have fruiting unto holiness, and the end everlasting life. Romans 8.2, For the law of the Spirit of life in in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Forgiveness of sin. Forgiveness of sin. And then the third thing in conclusion. We had the beginning of this life, repentance, the privilege of this life, the forgiveness of sin. Thirdly, we have the evidence of this life. 
this life they were told to go and preach. You know, it'd be kind of empty if all we could do is just give them words and we should, couldn't show them anything. But the truth of it is, God expects us expects us to to share this life. Bible, the Bible talks about of which we are witnesses. That's what the apostles said. They talked about this life of which we are witnesses. They said, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to you about something I have personally experienced. I'm talking about something that I have personally felt. I have been delivered. God has delivered me, set me free. Now, do I stumble? Do I fall? You bet. That's part of that's part of having a sin nature that I carry around. Uh, it, it sometimes gets the better of me, but when I do, I go to God and I ask Him to forgive me, and I get cleansed, and I get up and I walk. I don't stay down. You can't stay down. Uh, listen, in in these dark valleys of trials, you want to stay close to your Savior. You want to you want to hold His hand and have Him hold you and walk with you and protect you. We got to stay close to Him and right with Him. Praise God, I, I have lived in this Christian life. I know that it's real. He has taken me through tragedy after tragedy after tragedy, and his grace has been sufficient through every single one. And I know that I know that I know that his grace will be sufficient through every tragedy I face all the way home. There's evidence. We're speaking to you of a life which we have felt. We're not talking about some imaginary pie in the sky or something. Oh, no, no. We're talking about a fact. We have observed this with our own two eyes. I have felt and seen the hand of God work in my life, not physically seen the hand of God, but I have seen the effect of the hand of God at work in my life. I have felt it personally. I know it to be true. Acts 2.32, this Jesus that God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. They said we've seen it. They saw it with their eyes. I'm seeing it by the eye of faith, and so have some of you, and we should proclaim it to those around us. Jesus is coming soon. The clock is ticking. The whistle's going to sound. The trumpet's going to sound, and it'll be quitting time, and we better get busy before he does. And lastly, I'm going to close out with this fourth, this fourth point. Again, in closing, we see the beginning of this life they were to preach, the privilege of this life, the forgiveness of sins, the evidence of this life, witnesses of this. We've experienced it. And fourthly, there's the fruit of this life that must be preached. It's not, just a, it's not enough just to tell people to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's enough for salvation. But I'm going to tell you, it's not, we don't stop there. No, we need to preach. We need to preach the fruit of this life, that we're to have fruit as a Christian. In my yard right now, I have a pear tree. I have a pecan tree. Uh, they produce pears and pecans. I've never seen any oranges on either one of them, no apples on either one of them. Not had one single hickory nut or walnut. I've got pecans and pears because those are the trees that I have. And the Bible talks about uh, the, uh, the, the fruit of the righteousness. I'm sorry, the fruit of the righteous, Proverbs 11.30, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. A tree of life. What is the fruit of a tree? Can you tell me? What is, what is the fruit of that pecan tree out in my yard? Is it pecans? I dare say it's not pecans. The fruit of that pecan tree is another pecan tree. So that fruit, that pecan, has to fall into the ground and die, and yet it becomes another tree. And so when we die to self, we, we let all our worries and hang-ups and fears and all those things get out of the way, and we ask God, to take control of us and to speak through us the words of this life to the lost and dying souls around us. Number one, we, we depopulate hell and we begin to populate heaven. 
but we begin to also fill the sphere of our world with people who no longer hate our God and no, who no longer love this sin and wickedness of this world, and we begin to fill the people, fill the people in around us with believers who are like-minded and who seek God's will to be done. And so the Bible talks about those whom God has given, the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. Listen, there, there, there's no life apart from obedience to Christ. We must give ourselves to him. He bought us. I'm going to close with this thought. I've shared this many times, but I want to share it on here. <clears throat> if you're saved, if you've been washed in the blood of Jesus, if your sins have been forgiven, I want you to know that you are the most expensive thing that's ever been paid for in the history of the world because it cost the blood of Jesus Christ, his very life blood, to buy you back from sin. That makes you pretty important to God that makes when God looks at you he sees that the blood of his son was shed for you and he's got a job for you he's got to work for you he's invested in you he's put his spirit within you he's given you his commandments and he wants you to obey it he wants you to trust him he wants you to follow him he wants you to love him and let him provide for you and meet your needs and give you strength and give you comfort and peace all the way home let's be let's be a beacon of, of hope to the lost dying world around us Let's give them what they need, which is Jesus. Let's give them the answers that they're seeking for, the words of this life. Listen, God was so God was so serious about it that he busted them out of jail. He said, you know, uh, and let me finish this thought today. I want to share this with you. I'm almost done. But those apostles didn't say, well, no, wait a minute, fellas. We've got to obey the law of the land. We need to stay in jail. No. No, Peter's going to say down here a little bit later, we ought to obey God rather than men. And that's exactly what we need to do. If this, if, this, if this government tells us, whether it be Sleepy Joe or whether it be uh, Kamala, whatever, or whoever's next, whatever's next, no matter what they say, no matter what they tell you, uh, you do what God said to do. You be like, you be a Daniel. You dare to be a Daniel, and you continue to serve God even under the threat of death. You continue to do what God has told you, no matter what you're told, no matter what's said to you. God will bless you. God will provide for you. God will take care of you. Listen, folks, let's set our place like Flint. Let's be, let's be serious, and let, let's be dedicated. Let's be devoted. Let's be obedient, and let's listen, and let's proclaim the words of this life. God bless you. I want to pray for you now, and I'm, I'm asking if there's somebody out there listening to me today who's not 100% sure that they're saved. You don't have to be in a church building. You don't have to be with a preacher, but you're with one right now on, online. And I want to tell you that all you must do is go to the Lord Jesus in prayer. And understanding what repentance is, you, you, you understand your sin will send you to hell. By faith, you want to be born again. And you turn to Jesus and say, Jesus, have mercy on me and forgive me of my sins. I'm trusting you and your blood to wash my sins away. I'm believing that you are my Savior. You died for me. And I'm accepting that everlasting life that you're offering to me free of charge. And I'm believing you and I'm trusting you and I want to be a child of God. And if and listen, if you pray to him like that, if you'll be sincere from your heart, 
the Lord Jesus has saved your soul today, and you'll be in the family of God instantly. You'll be, a, you'll be my brother or my sister in Christ, and I'll rejoice with you. I wish you'd let me know. Contact me. Let me know, and I will be glad, and I'll rejoice with you and try to help you out any way I can. Listen, again, I want to share one more scripture. We must have fruit. John fifteen five. Jesus said, I am the vine, you're the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same, bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Let's pray. Father, I come to you right now. Lord, I pray for everyone that's heard the message today. Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit of God would take it and use it and work in our life. And Lord, fix things that are broken, fix things that are wrong. Lord, I pray you'll give us a, a burning desire to share the words of this life with those who are lost in sin and, Lord, that are dying without Jesus. Lord, so many people are in so much danger today, not just from diseases like COVID and cancer, Lord, and heart disease and things of that nature, Alzheimer's and so many, so many diseases. But, Lord, they're also in danger from all the things that come at them every day through the television and their phone and the Internet and printed media. Lord, so many distractions, so many lies. Lord, it's so, so dangerous out in this world. And you have the words of life. Lord, you have eternal life. Father, I pray that, Lord, you point the lost to Jesus. And you'll point your, your people to the lost to tell them the message of salvation. Lord, we just give you glory. We proclaim the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and, Father, we pray for folks to come to him. Lord, I pray for all the believers listening to me. Lord, to set out this week by your help and by your grace to share their testimony of salvation with someone else. Share the words of this, of this life before it's too late. And we'll give you praise and we'll give you glory. We thank you, Lord. And, again, we lift up, we lift up those who are struggling the with COVID, Lord, in our church, and we pray for their healing. We pray for their deliverance. And we thank you so much for being so good. Lord, we pray for those. Lord, I lift up Brother Grant, who's struggling with cancer. I pray, Lord, for his healing. Lord, I pray, Lord, Father, give him peace and give him comfort. Father, be with his wife. Lord, God, we just pray for each one who's under the sound of my voice now. Lord, please meet their needs. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. My prayer is that you leave here with peace in your heart. And I thank you so much for listening. God bless you. And we'll be back on Wednesday night at 7. Look forward to seeing you then. Have a blessed day.